what I love most is when students feedback that on their yoga mat is where they feel safe, is where they feel home. It can be an anchor point for people. It can be that grounding place where even if everything else is in flux and there's what ifs, you know, because that's what anxiety is, isn't it? It's like what if, what if, and then, you know, depression looking into the past, that shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff that can be massively unhelpful. Um, I like to think that yoga can give you present moment awareness where in this moment you are okay. Welcome to the Menopause Mindset Podcast, the place to get some answers and feel supported along this often bumpy journey. Many people sail through menopause, but many people don't. And so my guests and I are here to motivate you and inspire you so that you can make menopause a happier transition for yourself and for your loved ones. I'm Sally Garozzo and I'm an award-winning rapid transformational therapist, a menopause educator and the founder of the Sleep Superpower Academy. So without further ado, let's dive in. So my guest today is Bryony Hamerton and Bryony is a yoga teacher, a yoga therapist, a teacher trainer and a studio owner. She uses the kosher model from yoga philosophy, which is a holistic approach and it links the different layers of our being as a whole healing modality, the physical body, the breath, the mind, our thought patterns and habits our intellect and worldview, as well as the soul and the spirit. Her work includes breathing techniques, gentle yoga, rest, guided relaxation, balance and flow. And after each session, her clients are given a unique and co-created home practice to do after their sessions. So Bryony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sally. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so interested in yoga, yoga philosophy, how it helps us in our day-to-day life and especially through the menopause transition. So just clarify for me, what is the difference between a yoga teacher and yoga therapy? It's a good question. I think that all yoga can be therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're in a community yoga class, there's definitely benefits of having heartbeats in the room, you know, and tapping into that tribe. We are social primates. We're supposed to be together. Um, and it's it's healing to just be with other people a lot of the time, you know, within a, the boundary of a yoga class, even people who would consider themselves to be kind of introverted or overwhelmed in a yoga class you've got a lot of therapeutic benefits from being in a group a therapeutic yoga class or yoga therapy as an individual approach is usually more sort of with specific issues in mind Ah. so obviously meditation teaches us that there is no goal Um, but when I see people for yoga therapy I'm often I'm interested in what they've got going on particularly mental, physical, as you said, we don't separate. Mental health is affected by physical, you know, yoga doesn't separate, it's all connected. Um, But it's more specific. It's often I work with people who can identify that they are, you know, they have a diagnosis of clinical depression, or they know that they're chronically anxious, and they've sort of put together that, you know, some sort of body based approach Mm. is going to be more effective. So I think yoga therapy 
while yoga can be therapeutic, a lot of people go to yoga just for exercise or just for a good stretch. Whereas if you're going to yoga therapy, you're maybe more interested in the breath, the mindfulness, the meditation, and, and kind of being there open to the idea of it being a healing mm. practice, you know, rather than your weekly exercise class. Right. So if somebody want, if somebody had depression, for example, or anxiety, and they they've been told and they're aware that actually a body-based practice would be good for them. Would they then, do you think, go to you on a more one-to-one basis? Would that be more helpful for them, do you think? I really love working one-to-one. I love my work. It's always unique because everyone who comes, as you said in the intro, that's perfect. That co-creation is very much part of the service that I offer, which is why it's, you know, it's bespoke. It's for the individual. But I'm also really interested in people finding tools that they can do at home and then creating for themselves their own yoga practice, mm. which I hope would include the things that they realize that they need, but also going to a class. Like my my favorite thing is when I see someone one-to-one and they realize how helpful the yoga is and then they keep going. Yoga works if you do it. You know, if you talk, if you talk about going, but if you actually get on the mat, you know, Mm. it works. Yeah, I love that. You've got to do it for it to work, of do, course. You sort of have to do it for it to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. A little bit like that sometimes with the, the hypnosis recordings that I give people. Oh, um, you know, they listen to the hypnosis recording and there's a whole lot load of good advice in there, but you actually have to do the good advice that's in the recording, like just listening to the recording and not doing, not making any changes is not going to work. So, yeah. It's exactly that. And with yoga therapy, if you because not everybody can afford, you know, a qualified yoga therapist, but maybe you can afford a few sessions and then you take all of that into a, a weekly yoga class. Yeah. You know, but it's like you keep going with it because you put together, you know, the teacher doesn't need to know. They just take you through some kind of basic hatha yoga. But you know from the therapy that you've had, okay, so this is helping me with this and this is how I'm going to do this posture and this is what I need at the end of my practice and this is how I prepare for my practice. Yeah, a little bit of one-to-one attention, I think, is really useful. I've had a few one-to-one yoga sessions and it's amazing the difference that you get. It's a very, very different experience. It's so much more mindful and it's so much more detailed than a yoga class um, because, you know, when you're in the class, you've got that sort of tribal benefit. I did a fantastic yoga class yesterday and um, you could really feel the kind of group participation and how that affected my mood and my mental well-being afterwards so I think there is a lot to be said and you've got that you know what do they call it when you co-regulate with people in a group yeah yeah Yeah. um how did you get into yoga and then into yoga teaching so I was I'm one of four and my parents are great I was um pretty hyper as a child Still am. <laughs> I probably have some sort of label. Only my mum's a nurse, and and just kind of yeah, kind of. My parents were brilliant. I had a lot of energy as a child, and I was, I would do clubs every night after school. Like some nights there were two or three things, you know, brownies, ballet, gymnastics, you know, all kinds of ways to channel 
my energy you know I did a lot played musical instruments and sang in a choir and and so I'd always done sort of movement practices I remember as quite a young child going to like a music and movement in the church hall and now I look back and a lot of that was yoga you know and then when I went to I went to drama school I'd worked a little bit as an actor and I went to drama school in the in the late 90s and we had yoga there um and it kind of sort of since that point in my life I was like "Mm, there's something here but I was a lot more interested in going out raving um and getting that co-regulation which is which is gold I'm very grateful for that experience but the yoga sort of followed me like I was always aware of needing to go to a yoga class um and then when I and just so I couldn't really put my finger on it but then when I moved down to Brighton I started doing hot yoga Mm -hmm. with you know who uh begins with B we don't mention his name anymore um but the experience then just became this whole bodily experience like a whole because it was the hot yoga and it was ridiculous it was at the perfume factory here in Hove there was like 50 of us packed in and it was just it was so intense and it was physically sort of hitting a spot that previously taking recreational drugs had had done but that was like not very healthy for me so I don't have an addictive personality, but I would say that I moved from, when I moved down from London, I moved into a more healthy lifestyle because I was, you know, next to the beach. I was riding my bike up and down hills. Um, and I, the hot yoga was part of that because it was, it was transformational at that point. It was like, okay, I moved down without any money, but they were doing a deal, a, a New Year's deal that was in 2002. And I just used my savings to get the year deal because I was like okay I need to do this you know and it it transformed my life into being so much more mindful what I put into my body and how I took care of myself do you think you you needed something that intense yeah I think I did I think I'm like so in Ayurveda you have the doshas and I'm like I'm a pitta head you know I'm pitta I'm like high highly strong a little bit of vata as well not very grounded and and I've always that kind of intense feeling like the hot yoga and then you know cold sea swimming it's like that's what I've realized there's like this extreme situation that then moves my anxiety where I can be constantly ruminating about stuff that's not even going to happen but there's a catastrophizing that I've always done since I was a child and it stops that you know like when you get in a cold sea there's just no moment that all the blood goes somewhere else so there's just that meditative state of like pure zen Mm. you know I've got that in hot yoga and I chased it you know and I knew I wanted to teach like straight away and then I knew I wanted to be a yoga therapist Mm. like straight away do you still do hot yoga yeah yeah do you yeah Yeah, I love it yeah it is I absolutely love it I mean there's the yeah I love it I love that intensity um I find it really good for weight loss actually I did it um in two, well, God, it was like 2013 or maybe 2012. I just moved to Brighton and I did it like every day for three months. And the weight I lost was unbelievable. I mean, I was eating really healthy as well, but it was just so incredible. But I find I can't do it now. I find it, it gives me a lot of anxiety just going into the hot spark. I really struggle with heat. And it's something that I, mm. I really want to work on it mentally and, um, you know, change the sort of expectations that I have when I'm in the heat, learn to deal with the heat better. 
what would you say for someone like me that that feels like that about the heat is so have you always sorry I've got really weirdly small ears (laughs) so these airpods that I borrowed from my friends so I didn't have to have the big can yeah keep falling out of my ears I so I guess I'd ask you if 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 the if it's like a menopausal heat or if you've always been someone no I think it's menopausal it's definitely menopausal Mm. heat yeah so so I think that's quite common like obviously it's like over over 20 years now practicing hot yoga down here in the community down here is a lot of the same people you know I've got someone on my teacher training at the moment who we used to go to hot yoga you know yoga haven like 20 years ago um and it's similar for a lot of women where they they go off it for a bit they might come back to it might go off it for a bit but when I think of like my friends like Bella Somerville who's a great teacher here in Brighton when she she's she's 10 years older than me and I remember going out for dinner with her and she was having a hot flush but because she'd practiced hot yoga for a few years by then it was almost like an association of being in the heat with being very calm. And so I have seen and worked with many female students who can kind of ride the, the wave of that bloom or whatever whatever we're calling it, um, kind of ride it and ride it out and have an association with being on a yoga mat, uh, which might mean that you just stop in the supermarket and lean against the wall and close your eyes and do some deep breathing, you know, but rather than sort of getting highly anxious about it but then there's also the other thing that you know there's a there's that as you know there's the fluctuation of hormones and you know many other women have kind of left the hot yoga for a couple of years or a couple of months and then they come back to it Mm. you know Mm. like the cold water swimming sometimes that's not for me yes yeah and then sometimes it's absolutely the right thing yes you just have to try it I think it's hard isn't it though when you've got a a class full of people you think well I'm just going to try and see how I get on it's that fear of embarrassment like needing to walk out the class if need be I think that's what stops me but I would like to get back to it or just dip my toe in the water but they they normally do like quite long classes aren't they like 90 minutes or something those classes I think it's changed. I mean, I'm, I've been going this hot pod yoga in Hove, um, and at my studio, it's not super hot. And we have lots, we have 45 minute classes and we have 60 minute classes. We don't actually have any more 90 minute classes at the moment because, I mean, I'd love it if there was a studio <laughs> in a 90, and I think there's a few of us that would, but it is, it's very intense yeah. that 90 minute. And it also depends if it's, so the old school hot yoga was like they'd blast the heat and the humidity in mm-hmm. to make you sweat, you know, whereas at my studio uh, in Sussex, we have a very open space. Like there's high ceilings, there's lots of plants. It's it's very airy and we get it up to about 32 degrees around the edge of the room. And then if you love it, you're in the middle and it gets up to 37 degrees. And 37 degrees is, is the body temperature of 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 humans so it matches that you know and that's where a lot of that weight loss comes in because the heartbeat is like it's it's, yeah it's like lazy lazy weight loss where you're doing cardio without doing cardio yeah that's what one of the reasons people love it yeah yeah Yeah. that's it that's it so your studio you do hot yoga at your studio in um yeah Hayward's Heath is it yeah yeah Yeah. we're in Hayward's Heath mid-Sussex so right in the middle heart of Sussex between east and west Sussex and yeah, we the hot yoga was definitely the, the sort of most popular thing when we opened. But now we do both, you know, because as you get older, the yin and the yang 
yeah. you know, and it's just really nice. To, some days just we lie around on cushions, we do meditation. And then other days you want to, like in therapy, sometimes we call it effective action. Like if you've got, if you get a lot of anger, a lot of emotions that come up, you can discharge a lot of it sometimes with doing strong, strong yoga in a hot room. And then afterwards, you're like, Phew, now I feel better. Now I don't need to go and shout so, my husband. <laughs> so your practice can be dictated by what you're feeling and what you need. How does that work, though, if you're going to a yoga class, like a Hatha yoga class, and you're needing something that the class is not offering? <sighs> go to a different class. I don't know. I think... I think I think I what I notice, and I do I do get out and about if I can, like if I go to um, like if I do some training or I did a job up in London yesterday, like I will try and get to other classes. And what I notice, having been sort of you know in the sort of yoga world for a while, I think that it's much more standard now to hear the teachers say things like "listen to your body" and give choices. You know, I think that yoga has evolved. Mm. You know, when I started, it was very strict. You know, I did a teacher training and if you couldn't hold, you know, full wheel, that crab back bend pose, then, you know, you weren't really kind of in it, you know. And that attitude, I think, has changed. I think that we've moved with the times. And certainly in my studio, it's not unusual to see people doing different things in the, you know, in the transitions. We say over and over again, your flow or your rest, you know. So and also in restorative yoga, you know, if you've got pregnant pregnant people in your class if you've got people with blood pressure issues there are certain even relaxing gentle yoga that you're going to allow modifications for and I think that that sort of vini yoga that person-centered approach I like to think that that's proliferated into Mm. the yoga world Um, and also asking like before you go to a yoga class chat to the teacher if you can you know chat to the teacher and just say like sometimes I feel this sometimes I I think teachers, I love it if I know from someone when they come in a little bit about what their expectations are. Yeah. And it's not easy as a new teacher. It's not easy to have people doing different things. It's not easy. But as you get older, it's a little bit like, you know, I'm not calling myself a maestro, but it is a little bit like conducting an orchestra where you've got, you know, you've got people over here who are coming to do this. You've got people over here who are leading it because they know the flow. You've got your menopausal woman in the back having a nap, you know, and I I joke about that, but it is actually true. Like I have got some of my yogi student friends and they're coming to get away from their kids or their, you know, their life, their work's been stressful. They might flow, they might not. But they are literally coming for a lie down. I love that. That's, you've got your menopausal <laughs> woman in the back having a nap. That's <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's not like I say it and it sounds like a joke, but it's actually not because yeah. it's what people come for a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I heard it said that women will pay to lie down. And breathe a bit slower. Yeah. And be left alone. Be left alone for a bit. Absolutely. Just about you. This is about you. A whole hour. Yeah. I do I do worry though. I, I don't I don't quite know how to put this because I don't want to appear harsh and right wing as I say this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. I'm I'm very much trying to stay in the centre of things. But do you think that yoga classes have perhaps become a little bit too coddling 
in that you can uh-huh. do whatever you want. You don't need to push yourself. And we're not actually getting the benefits of stretching ourselves a little bit further. And that because we know that humans will automatically take the path of least resistance. And if they don't have to do a flow, then pr- they're probably going to do a child's pose. I, that's an interesting one because I've, I've realised quite early on the, the reverse psychology. So a lot of people, if you let them take it easy, they'll work harder, huh. I would say. Mm. It's about the, the attitude of the teacher allowing you to choose. And there's almost, you know, there's almost a little bit of a like, I'm handing this over to you now. I'm going to tell you the benefits of working hard. Take it or leave it, you know. And I think that there are, so giving too much choice is confusing for people as well. So sometimes I, sometimes I sense in the class I've given a bit too much choice. I'm like, would you, would you just, just like me to tell you what to do? And they say, yes, <laughs> just tell us what to do. You know, especially if they work, you know, I don't know, as a primary school teacher and they've had to tell people all day what to do. They're just like, I have not come to choose now. I've come to be led yeah. and guided you know, and I don't want to choose this or this. I want you to say, do this. So I think there's, I think there's space for it all, Sally. I think, I think there's space for all of it. And I also think, you know, when, when you say about that strictness, I think if people understand that yoga is a process, you know, the Bhagavad Gita teaches us do or don't do, there is no try. So you're not trying to do yoga. If you're on the mat, you're doing yoga. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the attitude that I've got. If someone's showing up, they're there. And then also within the yoga philosophy, there's this idea of like Ishvara Pranadhan, where you're offering the practice to somebody else, the spirit of bhava, bhakti, where it's devotion and offering. So oh, that's yeah, maybe we won't go into that whole one. But that just the idea that um, as a spiritual practice, your growth can be doing a little bit less because oh. if you spend your whole life striving 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 and then you come onto your mat and you're striving 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 at what point are we going to relax our shoulders and our jaw and not be so overwhelmed that we're having to take you know meditation to calm us down you know I think there's a fine line for me a good yoga class is going to challenge you perhaps physically, unless it's a really gentle class on the body or a healing practice or stillness or whatever. But maybe it's going to challenge you in there to stay still. In the dynamic class, I want people to to experience the steadiness and the grounding, the stira, but also the sukham. You know, there's only two things written about posture in yoga philosophy, stira and sukham. And we can understand them to mean the, the foundation, the steadiness. And for that, people need to feel held. They need to feel safe. That I really think that's important. And that's like coming into the space, you know, and somebody smiling at you and saying, welcome, Sally, come on in. How are you feeling today? Today we're going to do this, da 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 You know, letting people know. So there's that accessibility piece. And then there's the Sanskrit word sukham, like sukham, suki, suki, no, like experiencing pleasure, joy, comfort, ease. You, you know, so... If, to my mind, both of those things can be happening within yoga asana. You know, you, you can feel steady and stable, strong, grounded, and then there's some ease. And sometimes that ease comes after you've done a really strong posture and you've nailed it because you've been coming to this class for like 10 years and you've never been able to. And then one day you've got it. 
and then you come out of it and there's a chemical release in the muscles there's a profound sense of well-being and achievement and ease you know Mm, yeah yeah beautiful you've said that so beautifully and articulately yeah wonderful (laughs) where where were you in your menopause transition Bryony yeah, it's interesting because I started to think a couple of years ago with all these women coming into my studio, I'm, I'm aware of when I've been, I, I'm going to come to it just a roundabout way. I've been on lots of trainings and um, so like retreat experiences where you go away with lots of women. So I've experienced the phenomenon of like my cycle syncing up with like 25 women over a full moon, two week period when we're away I've experienced ovulation straight after I've had my cycle because it's like we're in competition because there's one man and 50 women um so I've experienced all kinds of like sort of what's the word I'm looking for not infectious (laughs) contagious yeah no not nothing to do with that but I did think if all these women are coming into my studio talking about the menopause, am I going to start having symptoms? Yeah. So I was like, so that's when I started logging and tracking, you know, and I'm a fan of yours. I'm a fan of the Mary Menopause, Jen Gunther. Like I'm really conscious because I work in women's health. But I was like, is this happening to me? Or is there some sort of like empathy, sympathy symptoms going on? Like I'm really conscious of that. So I started tracking my cycle and it was like bang on until uh, about this time last year and it changed and what really changed for me which was so interesting I'm so grateful for you and all these goddesses before me because I kind of knew what to look for and it was the this rage this um, super intense feeling of like I mean a bit of an existential crisis I remember going down to the beach having a huge argument with my partner at the time and just like losing my shit, just being like, you don't care about me and going to the beach. And this rage had just dissipated just like that. And then I was desolately staring into the sea, feeling terribly sorry for myself. And the next day, obviously felt totally different, did my yoga, what have you. And I was like, oh, I know her. That's the teenage bride. I remember her, that crazy bitch who was like mental, like, and to the point where people are like, we, we think we'd like you to come and talk to someone because we think that you might be a bit mental. Um, and friends kind of pulling away and my family being like, what the fuck? Um, so I think what's happened for me, as well as like a shortening of my cycle, it's like 23, 24 days at the moment, which is massively inconvenient. Mm-hmm. I have like one week where I feel brilliant and the rest of the time it's like, whoa. But I think getting back in touch with teenage Bryony and asking her what she needs because I've got teenagers as well at the moment and I think that that's really triggering for your teenage self and if there's stuff that you know wasn't attended to when you were a teenager I think that's bringing it out so that's what's happening for me Mm, Um, so interesting in that mm, there's a slight regression yeah. You know, when we're going through the menopause, we do regress back to, because I think, you know, puberty happens, you get your hormones and you're dealing with all of that. But that's also when the masking can start to occur as well. Yeah. And then when you demask at menopause, what hasn't been dealt with pre-puberty or just as you're going into puberty, now it's like, okay, now this has to be dealt with. And so whatever that is, it could be just desolation, it could be 
anger, rage. I mean, anger and rage is typically very teenage, isn't it? And you're living with teenagers as well. So that's being mirrored back to you. How did you deal with your anger? I think it it always comes back to the yoga. You know, like I do a really, really strong vinyasa practice. I've started doing um, more hand balances and arm balances and stuff. And I think being strong physically for me is so aligned with my positive mental health. And it always has been, even before I was conscious of it. You know, my I was very active. I would be the one on the family holiday that would go and get in the sea, even though it was November. You know, it was like I was always on my bike, climbing trees. And I, I've always I've been very lucky to have parents that kind of facilitated and accommodated and encouraged all of that. And now that I'm older, I know that I need to physically be strong and then I need to discharge a certain amount of energy because otherwise it's almost like it's going to go into that short circuit thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you're, and, you're empowering yourself. You're doing something mm, to yeah. combat that. Yeah. And the mindfulness piece as well is, is super important because what mindfulness meditation allows, has allowed me to do over the years and certainly teaching it as well. And <clears throat> it took me, <coughs> excuse me, it took me 20 years to sit still in meditation, Sally. I couldn't do it. So I couldn't, I couldn't sit still. I still can't sit still. I find it difficult. Um, so mindfulness, pre- it, hello puppy, my dog's just coming. <laughs> the mindfulness practice allows you to kind of notice the patterns of your thinking and also thoughts are not facts, right? So from the moment I read wherever you go, there you are, Cabot Zim, all of that stuff was life changing for me because it was like this feel, this is the, feeling connected to thought and it's going to change you know so try not to smash a plate (laughs) you know scream at someone lose a friend like let's just like it's again it's also that moment between stimulus and response you know to paraphrase Viktor Frankl in that moment is your opportunity to choose your reaction you know and that for me that's meditation because I would fly off the handle like crazy crazy behavior aggressive arrogant violent that's like that's where a lot of that rage used to come out and now just being conscious of it and you know and knowing that the next day you're going to feel different it's not going to feel like this I totally get what you're saying though for me it's like um being able to harbor the sensation without reacting to it And then Mm -hmm. consciously choosing how you want to discharge it. And you might have to kind of put your your fists in your mouth and (laughs) you might just have to go, I'm going out for a minute or, (laughs) you know, so it's, so you're not going to traumatize someone else because anger can be really traumatizing if you direct it at someone, you know, and I think we need to be really mindful of that because I, 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 even though our anger is often legitimate, well, it is, anger is probably always legitimate, um, when you throw it at someone, you're causing someone harm. So mm. recognizing that and then just being able to um, discharge that in a in a healthier way is such a useful skill to be able to do. And as you say, meditation, mindfulness, yoga practice, awareness mm. can really help us. Mm. And it's 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 all the layers of the self, like you said in the intro. I use the kosher model, and 
when I was not able to discharge anger effectively, not only would it go out to other people who I would then hurt, you know, and people would withdraw friendship or, you know, partners would be like, see you later. Um, I would also turn it in on myself. And, and I wasn't really aware that I was doing that, but it would manifest with quite bad IBS, you know, like really unhealthy gut situation. Um and you can think of anger as just another form of energy yeah. and, 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 and channeling energy in different ways and, and discharging it in different ways. And, and then also just sometimes just saying, ah, you know, like, um, help me. Because uh, you, if you appear more vulnerable, if you can just find that moment before you lose your shit to say, I really, because anger's often a lot, it's fear-based a lot of the time as well. That's what I see with my kids, you know. I wouldn't be 14 again. Terrified. Yeah. You know, you don't know who you are. And here's your body growing. You know, I've got two kids. They look like men, not men. They look like men. They're not men. You know, they're little boys without the prefrontal cortex, almost like toddlers, but massive. (laughs) So endless passion for the fear root of that anger yeah 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 and it reminded me something you said that we often women particularly often direct the anger inwards at themselves rather than externally and that can be so harmful as well because then you're traumatizing yourself not just someone outside of you and and all of that what comes from that as well self-harming self-hatred self-loathing and yeah it's it can be it's a lot isn't it as you go through this transition it's a lot to deal with Mm. yeah yeah and we we had a conversation didn't we recently about um diets and the gut you know and and how and it's really interesting that whole enteric nervous system's now being much more considered you know that great book fast like a girl that I thought that was brilliant because it was much more aligned with you know where where we're at with trying to balance all the hormones um but yeah the the obviously the the manufacturing of the chemicals in the body does start with what we put in our bodies and it is a form of self-care to eat well um because if we haven't got that on a cellular level that nourishment it's a lot more difficult to regulate our mood right you know and and mental health like even just my sort of lockdown drinking that got slightly out of hand um just being able to look back at that and just being like yeah there was a lack of control there about what I was putting in my body Mm. but it was also I thrive on being around other people and I love my job so not being able to do that led me to kind of reach for something something else. And alcohol is very good at, you know, calming that central, it's a central nervous system depressant. So it's like, you're not going to worry about that anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it all goes together. Like what we eat, how we, it's all affected by everything. I think one thing affects the other. Yeah, it really does. And, and the kosher model, we, we recognize that. And it, what it also does when you look at the layers of the self, it kind of gives you different access points for self-care as well. And that that's my own model for the impending waves of, of full, full on menopause in whatever that looks like, however it comes is like finding lots of different tools for the box. Yeah. You know, what, like it, it, everything to do with nourishment and including what you're taking in, what 
TV shows you're watching, what you're reading, who you're with. You know, it's like that just nourishing the, the self and the soul at every single level. Mm. You know, and it's not always easy to do that. It's not easy to do that. You know. No. How do you know what is the right thing to choose? You know, you said you've got all those different access points. <sighs> Suck it and see, you know, and then and, and jur- like journaling has been helpful for me. I've just been logging. I think it was Jen Gunther that just said that by the time you need help from your doctor about the menopause, you need to have facts and data to go there with. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a, you know, no disrespect here, but maybe a 30 year old male GP telling you that you don't need this, you don't need that and not giving you a blood test. So it's logging everything like not 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 getting too kind of orthorexic or, or mad about it, but like logging how you feel on days when you've eaten this and how you feel on days when you've seen this person and how you feel on days when you've drunk this alcohol and then gone for a sea swim or whatever it's like just knowing yourself and that that's the practice of yoga you know this vajaya part of yoga is not just studying to keep that self-improvement but also turning within like who are you Mm. you know what do you need you know and that's very difficult to do for a lot of householders a lot of mothers because or daughters caring for you know whoever because you sacrifice yourself for other people. So a lot of women I know my age which kind of don't really know themselves that well. Well it takes given everything. It takes time and it takes a softness. It takes a quiet it takes quietude, I think, to go yeah. in and to have that interoception where you can actually sense how do I feel after um eating those fox's biscuits? How do I feel after um, a glass of Prosecco? How do I actually feel after having a conversation with this person? As, uh, am, as, am I as high as a kite? Do I feel calm and balanced? Do I feel really bored and like drained of yeah. energy? Um, but it, it's having that awareness to know that you've got to go inward and mm. think about how you feel, or sense rather how you feel. And that yeah. can be, it, it's like doing a constant audit, I think. Yeah, yeah, with with compassion, because there's a study I remember learning about where, you know, you could eat the same amount of fat, protein, whatever in a meal, but your mindset, the way the company that you're eating it with affects how you digest it. And I think that's so interesting, because it's not like, how do I feel when I eat that, you know, crappy biscuit or drink that booze, because maybe it felt really good to share that those biscuits with that person and maybe there was a connection there and it wasn't so my biggest challenge is my is the judgment because I can be so judgmental like that's Mm. where I go and it's kind of understanding that yeah I had a drink on that day to celebrate that person and now I'm going to do this to balance that out yeah you know rather than the inner critic and the shame spiral which is so unhelpful we have enough judgment thank you from the patriarchy (laughs) yeah we don't need to (laughs) compound that ourselves no it's really interesting because if I have a glass of Prosecco at home alone I'm done after a few sips there's no joy in it for me at all Mm. like alone drinking but if I'm out with a friend um and usually particular types of friends. I know with you, Bryony, it would probably be the same. <laughs> I would absolutely love a glass of champagne and I would feel great after a glass of champagne. You know, well, just one. Um, and I'd, I'd feel bubbly and excited and probably have like puffy fingers and like, maybe <laughs> feel a little bit 
uh, blocked up in my nose, but I wouldn't be able to get through a whole glass on my own. I probably would feel suicidal or, or something, you know, really quite depressed and anxious um, and just floppy and horrible. But when, but I, that's really interesting what you said about it's the context with which you're doing it and the mindset with which you're doing those things as well can actually change your physiology and your biology. And I'm a big yes. believer in that massive believer that our thoughts do change um, our biology. It's, there's no question about it in my mind. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's the kosher model. It's like how you think is effect, it's, it's like, it's, there's just so many pathways of connection, which give you different access points for positivity and healing and then awareness of where, you know, where things might be like awry or lacking, you know, where you need more of something, you need more of this and less of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've gone off on a right old tangent here. I'm just trying to think <laughs> what other questions to ask you. Um, yeah. What, what changes have you made personally in your life in order to live this yoga philosophy? How have you had to change? Oh God, loads loads I I feel I I think it sounds really cheesy but there is just a massive sense of gratitude for being able to move my body and be healthy and that health is wealth you know and as we get older we lose we lose people um and people have long battles with with their health which just always brings it back to gratitude not just for the health that I have but for the way that I'm able to take care of myself mm. you know um and that that just runs through everything and also you know I didn't like like I did you know I started I became a yoga teacher when I had my children and it would have been a lot more sensible to have gone and done the nursing diploma that would have paid me properly um you know and I just like materially I don't have you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm lucky, I have a safe, comfortable home, but, like, I haven't pursued wealth, particularly, because I have spent a lot of time <laughs> doing a lot of yoga, teaching a lot of yoga, working in that devo devotional space, which doesn't always pay very well. Um, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm as happy, I don't, I don't look around me and see people who have pursued a career for material wealth, I don't look around and see that people are way happier than me I think there's a contentment that mm. is part of the yoga teaching santosha contentment mm. and maybe the work that we do on ourselves to come to a place where we can actually feel comfortable with who we are and the choices we make and the company we keep perhaps perhaps that's the most valuable kind of pathway in life yeah. and that I think that comes for me from yoga philosophy because it's all in there friendship and compassion and loving kindness you know mm. it's all there from the buddhist and hindu teachings that inform my life mm -hmm. the the kosher teachings what's the origin so it's tantra it's it's tantra it's early 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 yoga i mean tantra is misunderstood and and kind of people think of of sting and eight hour orgasms which is entirely possible I'm sure um but the the idea of using the body and using nature you know chakras koshas that comes from tantra that comes from like yeah the the divine being material physical 
part mm. of us and pathway to mm. enlightenment, balance, equilibrium, whatever it is that we're seeking for. Is yeah. it, the answers are this tangible, elemental experience of earth and water, and you know, and fire and air. And I suppose we are when we're more when our bodies are more tuned up, it gives us more access to our soul and our spirit and the divine. Exactly. It's that idea that you kind of go through the layers to find, you know, Ananda Maya Kosha, which is the bliss. But like my teacher, one of my Maha teachers, Shiva Ray, you know, she wrote about how the this blissful state, it's not a VIP zone. You know, it's for it's for everyone. You know, it doesn't need to be it's not like so in India, obviously, with the caste system, there's a lot within yoga of the, you know, the, the Brahmins and the, and the higher sort of levels of intelligence, people who were educated, people who had access to education, people who didn't being a little bit lower down. To my mind, in, in the sort of, as I understand it, with Tantra, it's like everyone's welcome. Everyone's invited. You know, you ha- if you can breathe, you can do yoga. Like if you can breathe, you can sing. If you can breathe, you can dance. Yeah. You, everyone's at the party. Yeah, there's yeah. no... You know, it's got an inclusive element to it. Very, very much so, and and that's that's what I hope for. You know, with moving forward with yoga, I hope to see. I love seeing the, you know, the accessible and the inclusivity, and I love, you know, chair yoga, and it it, it can be a practice for everyone. I honestly do believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. I believe that. I think um, yoga is for everyone, and I don't think you need to think of it as. Um, you know, wheels and what are they called? Crows and headstands and handstands. It's so much, there's so much more to it than those kind of showy offy poses. They're fine, mm. obviously, they're great, but it doesn't have to be that. So, uh, yeah, thank, thankfully, no. you know, teachers like you are making it accessible for people. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about how yo how do you think yoga helps us through transitional times like crises or menopause or any kind of transition what do you think the what do you think it can offer us during those times i i think an anchoring grounding safety what i love most is when students feedback that on their yoga mat is where they feel safe is where they feel home you know, it can be an anchor point for people. It can be that grounding place where even if everything else is in flux and there's what ifs, you know, because that's what anxiety is, isn't it? It's like what if, what if? And then, you know, depression looking into the past, that shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff that can be massively unhelpful. Um, I like to think that yoga can give you present moment awareness where in this moment you are okay. And then perhaps it's that, the ebb, like my friend Kate and I, we talk about respecting the ebb, you know, because that life is a flow, but there's also the the ebb, you know. And if you sit and watch the tide, it can be really meditative because it's that regular soothing rhythm. And on your yoga mat, that can be your inhale and your exhale. So it gives, it can hopefully give you in times of crisis an anchor, yeah, a consistency, a congruence that you can trust that you feel safe with, you know, mm. it will feel like this. If you do this, that will feel like that, you know. Yeah, certainty. Cert- certainty and 
rhythm, all the co-regulation. There's a form of yoga that I teach called Yoga Nidra, which is, looks like an organized nap. It's a, it basically is an organized nap. But the Nidra state of being just between being awake and being asleep, where your whole body is completely relaxed, but you are aware. There's a tentacle of awareness there. It's a little kind of, tiny bit of awareness there. And studies have shown that this improves, uh, increases dopamine in the brain. So it's literally an antidepressant. You know, and that that kind of sort of safeguards us against things like burnout and, and you know, something grief. Depression is usually caused by grief or isolation. I've had a lot of both of those recently. And it, before it tips into somewhere where you can't get back out, you can you can regulate and increase your, you know, you can change your brain chemistry. You know, stretching releases acetylcholine, which makes you feel good. You know, GABA, the inhibitory neurotransmitter. I'm not going to geek out on your girls on a tangent, but the, there are so many ways that yoga can change your chemistry, mm. which can then give you the tools to cope with, you know, what life's throwing at you. Yeah, yeah. No, I found it brilliant, I have to say. I found it. I sometimes struggle in June. I've got this like weird anchor about June and had a, a few traumas um, a few years ago in, in this time of year and just the excessive daylight. But I find that if I do yoga in June, it really does help me to kind of regulate and feel safe and also feel really positive. Um, just mm. feel a, a bit more optimistic about my ability to get not not get through, but actually enjoy it. To actually, yeah. you know, open up like a flower, like it's safe to open up like a flower yeah. and, and let yourself be bathed in all of this daylight and receive it, you know, let it in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Gosh, I just want to I want to have like a longer chat with you, really. But mm-hmm. how I want to wrap this up. Um <laughs> I'm going to ask you about your studio in a minute, but I also want to speak to you about the hair. Because when we were at the Acumen conference, you said to me, I only wash my hair once a month. And I thought that was amazing because what a time-saving device, a (laughs) money-saving device as well. Shampoo's expensive. And how do you get through that middle bit? Talk us through, like, your whole hair washing process <laughs> yeah just, I just don't do it <laughs> just, don't, just don't wash it so yeah so because I, I color my hair as you know and I so we're on about day six at the moment so it is a little bit you know it's a little bit um kind of tangly it's a bit of a mess I think I think I am about saving, saving energy, saving time. And also I am quite vain um, and I do care about my appearance like your average woman does. Um, and I don't need another opportunity while I'm washing and drying my hair to criticise myself. So I can leave it and put it up and it's in really good nick now because I don't fuck about with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What made you decide to do it? I think I've always, I've always, cause I had really long hair when I was younger and it was like all one length. Um, and I, when I was living in Japan in the late nineties, I didn't wash it. I was living with a girl and we were like, let's not wash our hair. Um, and I smelled like a sheep after the first month. It was like very high humidity in Japan in the summer. 
Um, and then I just kind of broke through that. We used to we used to rinse it out because we'd go swimming, we'd go to onsen and you know the spa place where you, um, you have to sort of you have to wash on the way in. But I didn't use any product on my hair for about four months. Mm. Um, and then when I came back, because I'm very vain, I came back. I went to the hairdressers, and then I went to a wedding. It was one of my oldest best friends' wedding, and I have never had so many people compliment my hair. And I, I just hadn't washed it. So I was like, okay, I'm probably just going to stop washing my hair. So the natural oils conditioned it, yeah. gave it the gloss. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then you can, you know, and then you can just, yeah. I mean, I tend to sometimes tie it up for like three days. Yeah, yeah, that's great. How do you <laughs> get past it the, it looks like a wig. How do you get past the awkward bit? Just tie it up. Put a okay. nice scarf on. Wear a hat. Yeah, okay. That's a good <laughs> shout. That is a good or shout. Or do the fringe wash. Like in, in that him and her, you know, the fringe wash where you just wash the front bit and then you don't wash the back bit. It's a little, little secret. Yeah. But it looks I love like that. you've washed your hair. You tie it up and it's all clean around the front. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try that. I, I, I got to day 10. Well done. That's Which is pretty good, right? I think That's I'm at day seven at the moment. So it doesn't look too bad. But um, yeah, I might give it. It's just in the summer, it does get a bit itchy and a bit like, oh, yeah. you know, you want I've it. got a scalp, like I've got a scalp thing that I use and I do brush, I brush it out every night. Like I turn my head upside down and brush it out, yeah. you know, because I'm out and about all the time. The little, this time of year, you have like insects, pollen, you know, so I do, I clean it by brushing it and yeah. I've got a good scalp massager because that kind of itchy head's not very good so the massage the scalp massage is not an oil it's just one of those brushes no it's just a it's just a thing it's just a thing with spikes on that you just kind of do all over I guess it's like the principle of dry brushing bringing the blood flow to the surface of the skin you know because the dry brushing and the cold sea swim that's that's a really good that's a good tonic that's better than an expensive moisturizer yeah oh my god yeah I went this morning and my skin's so soft and lovely yeah it's amazing but yeah no that's a good idea with the scalp thing because it dislodges all the kind of sweat and gunk on the scalp and then you can just brush it out as well yeah great conversation we're having (laughs) (laughs) but it's also it's that thing of like letting your body do what it's doing and I think that's one of those things in menopause isn't it it's like this is what your body's trying to do so how can we support it to do that you know um and with the with your hair with natural oils in your hair if you strip the oils by washing it the body's producing more you know so it's like me with having dry skin if i if i think i need to put more cream on my body's not going to produce the oil whereas if i do the dry brush it's like oh there's oil there that i'm making and then i'm going to make sure i eat avocados and good fats you know lots of nuts and stuff to provide that oil again we're going back to this is the layer this is the outer layer isn't it you know Mm. of the self so it's the tangible elemental bit that we can we can play with yeah i love that yeah so the moisture is coming from the inside dry body brushing to get rid of the the dead skin cells but also to tell your body you need to make more make moisture yeah yeah exactly exactly and then also what you're eating yeah, and what you're eating to make sure there is enough oil in the body to pump out to the skin. Yeah, and understanding, understanding things like, you know, so many women, things like Hashimoto's, dairy, gluten, you know, really understanding about how those things are going to block the absorption of nutrients. And that's, mm. I mean, that's a, 
Yeah, I'm sure you've got whole podcasts on that. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot in here. Well, thank you, Bryony, for for sharing all of that beautiful philosophy. You're so eloquent and articulate when you speak oh. as well. You've got such a lovely energy when you talk. Very intelligent, and I just love chatting with you. Tell us about your studio. What kind of classes do you do? Where is it? How can people join? What's your membership system like? So we've been going for a long time. We relocated in 2019 and I rebuilt uh, the top floor of a big building in Hayward's So we have a, a beautiful space. Um, yeah, you can find us the Yoga Sussex. We have lots of fun summer events. We have a lot of community events. We've got a massive sun studio, which is southwest facing. Lots of dynamic yoga in there. We have all ages. Like we've got, I've got one of my student friends. She's in her mid seventies. She does the most dynamic hot yoga classes that we have. We've got the Moon Studio, which is full of um, purple cushions and lavender oil, and we've got a lot of instruments. We play sound baths. We believe in like sound therapy, um, and everyone's welcome. You know, we have members ranging from you know kids we've got kids clubs saturday afternoon we've got members ranging from three four years old right up to people in their 80s if you can get up the stairs and you can get into the space because there's no lift it's top floor not first floor um then we can we can take care of you you know and our intro offer like a lot of yoga studios we're in financial recovery so we still offer great memberships for people to sign up silver membership gold membership we're flexible you know we're humans we're not mercenary business people um, but people can practice with us for you know as little as three or four pounds a class if they sign up and they complete and then we have other people on class passes who you know they come to yoga once a week and that kind of complements what they're doing um, yeah. so yeah a wide variety of sounds people. brilliant so have you got three different rooms yeah we've got well we've actually we've got a lounge area so we do day retreats um I really like running teacher training like a retreat you know, so we have people come. I, I don't do the cooking, but we have amazing chefs and, you know, fabulous, like vegan, gluten free kitchen. Um, all kinds of, of wonderful people have come to collaborate there. The lounge area, which we can seat, you know, we can seat up to 25 people. We bring tables and chairs or people sit on the floor. And then we've got a treatment room, which has got an infrared sauna um, and wow. a massage table. And we do Thai massage there as well. So, yeah, showers, changing rooms, car park, everything. <gasps> Everything's so convenient. Have you got any workshops coming up? Yeah, we have. We've got um, very exciting on Friday the 30th. We've got two visiting guest teachers of mine, great friends of mine, Delamay Devi, who is a teacher based in Australia. She used to come and um, we were together on Shiva Ray trainings in India and in Greece. She's over. So she's doing a movement medicine thing on Friday the 30th. Um, And then this Sunday we've got our inversion workshop we've had, actually had a couple of people cancel that so there's space and that goes back to what we were talking about about holding yourself up physically so I run these workshops with a Canadian teacher called Julie Kay who's incredible self-taught handstand master decided at the age of 37 that she's going to see if she could do a handstand you know I think she's 42 now and she can hold it so she's not a gymnast or a dancer she's a normal human woman who has learned how to hold herself up physically and then it holds her up mentally so I love working with her because it's so inspirational people everyone ends up doing something you know we've got props we've got toys we've got ways of getting you in the air and the empowerment that you get by being able to hold yourself physically that's going through all those layers that's touching your soul with this I can do this I've got this 
Yeah, it really, really does. I've always said strong body, strong mind. Absolutely. And um, at the moment, I am working on my wrist strength. So something like that sounds actually quite good. Because I noticed, went back to yoga, I couldn't hold a down dog. I was like, what is going on with my wrists at the moment? They just felt really Mm. weak. So yeah. So try try coming onto fingertips when you're on all fours. Yeah. So fingertips on all fours and bending the elbows. Or, you know, I've got my YouTube channel. Sally, there's millions of classes on there. Oh, wow. Millions, hundreds. So yeah, there's, I do lots of functional stuff, you know, so that you don't have pain in yoga. Don't want yeah. it to hurt. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes. Where are you most active on social media? Um, I I do try and be more active. I, I can quite happily spend whole days without looking at it. Um, but I am on Facebook and I have an Instagram, Yoga Bryony, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I love for connecting. I'm watching and seeing all those things come up. Um, Is it best to join your mailing list if people? Yeah, want to... yeah. I think if you're on my, if you're on my, either my studio website or on my Yoga with Bryony, you can connect there because I've got, I've got a membership website which is, it's a community of mostly, mostly women our age, um, and signing up to that means that you get, you know, you can practice with me online. So most of my online members. Um, come to the live stream classes so I live stream a lot of my classes we've got all the gear at the studio um and then yeah I teach live every day at my studio um and on Facebook and Instagram I don't do the talk and the tip yet no it's hardcore isn't it well you're a very very busy person Bryony um and as I said you know you sound like you're a fantastic yoga teacher um, I'm definitely going to try and get along to some of your classes. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us Thank and sharing you, your expertise and your wisdom. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. I'm loving your work. I'm a big fan. What a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, darling. So I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Now, my biggest takeaway from that was something actually quite subtle. It was to do with something that Bryony said about the ebb as well as the flow in that life also ebbs and that's quite poignant after the weekend I've had it's this ebbing this pause it's those quiet moments moments of stillness and reflection and it can feel like nothing's actually happening during those moments and often it can be accompanied by feelings of stuckness isolation boredom restlessness and maybe even panic that things are regressing. But if we lean into the ebb and trust that it's necessary, that it's part of nature to ebb and not fight with it, we can garner some inner peace and reflection time and some space to just be with what is and see what comes up in those ebbing moments. As I mentioned before, I've had a very ebby weekend and I've had so many realisations as a result of the space that I've allowed, so many light bulb moments. And you know, if we're rushing and busying ourselves all the time, we might be having nice experiences, but we don't always get the inner gold that we need to take our lives to that next level, whatever that next level is for you. So 
I'd love to know what your biggest takeaways were. If you're listening on Spotify, you'll notice that you can interact with me now using the Q&A tab at the bottom. Or as always, come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Sally Garozzo Mind Mentor. Or you can email me info at sallygarozzo.com. Or even better, drop me a message on WhatsApp. You can find a direct link to my WhatsApp in the show notes. Now, in a world where you could be listening to anything, I just want to acknowledge you and your drive for better health and well-being. I see you and I acknowledge you. So remember, if you're liking these podcasts and you really believe in getting the word out there about menopause, midlife and mental health, then please subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can help to support the running cost of this podcast by buying me a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Sally Garozzo. Your support means that we get to reach out to more people who need to hear this message. And happy people means a happy world. Your interaction might very well help to save another person's sanity. All right, folks, thank you so, so much for your support. It really does mean the world. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.